The United States is suffering from an epidemic of monumental proportions, which is so large and so poorly understood that it is not being talked about in the mainstream media. Our country is extremely sick and suffering from ESDR, or economic stratification and disproportionate representation. In the United States, these illnesses play an important role in shaping people's lives. Your chances of living a long and healthy life closely track your income. Residents of wealthy districts can expect to live longer and better. Young women in poor states of the United States are more likely to become pregnant in their teenage years, and their babies are less likely to survive than their peers in wealthier states. A child from a disfavored district has a higher chance of dropping out of high school than if his parents have a steady mid-range income and live in a prosperous part of the country. As for the children of the poor who remain in school, they will do worse, achieve lower scores, obtain less fulfilling and lower paid employment. The incidence of mental illness correlates closely with income. Even trust, the faith we have in our fellow citizens, corresponds negatively with differences in income. Between 1983 and 2001, mistrustfulness increased markedly in relation to the degree unregulated individual self-interest was applied to public policy. The gap between the top 10% and the other 90% has been widening for the past 30 years. The top 10% currently take home 45 to 50% of the total national income. The top 1% control 40 to 50% of the country's wealth. Income inequality is now greater than it has been over the last century. Contrast, 1968, when the CEO of General Motors took home in pay and benefits about 66 times the amount paid to a typical GM worker. Today, the CEO of Walmart earns 900 times the wages of his average employee. Did you get that? The CEO of Walmart earns 900 times the wages of his average employee. Indeed, the wealth of the Walmart founder's family is estimated to be about $90 billion, which is the same as the bottom 40% of the entire United States population of 120 million. Let me just say that again, because it's almost unfathomable. One family, one family's wealth of 90 billion is the same as 40% of our country or 120 million people. This income inequality created by the economic stratification and the resultant disproportionate representation, remember our country was founded on the importance of equal representation. This income inequality that has been created is provoking envy, resentment, tension, anger, and rage. As the 90% lose more and more of their life force, 
their physical and mental health, they turn to various substances to soothe their anguish and their impotence. They drink, drug, gamble, spend, and overeat. 60% of the country is overweight or obese, and the percentage continues to increase. What do you think the, ep or the obesity epidemic is saying? Perhaps screaming. There is class warfare going on in this country, and 90% of the population is losing the war. Our story today is one manifestation of this most serious illness in our country. Yes, a serious illness affecting us all. You know that the uninsured are more at risk even while they're in hospitals? Uninsured Americans often have difficulty getting care and paying for medications, but what happens once they're admitted to a hospital with a life-threatening illness? A new study finds that even after they have heart attacks or strokes and are admitted to hospitals, the uninsured are more likely to die than those who carry private insurance. Yes, a gap persisted even after the researchers adjusted for disparities in the patient's underlying health, socioeconomic status, and other factors. These researchers analyzed more than 150 discharges of working-age Americans, age 18 to 64, who were hospitalized for heart attack, stroke, or pneumonia. They found that the uninsured patients who had heart attacks Listen to this, folks. The uninsured patients who had heart attacks were 52% more likely to die in the hospital than the privately insured. And those who had a stroke were 49% more likely to die in the hospital. And here's even more. Since June 1st, when federal unemployment benefits began to expire, an estimated 325,000 jobless workers have been cut off. That number will swell to 1.25 million by the end of the month unless Congress extends the benefits. The Senate so far has failed to act. And why? Some senators, including Democrats, have balked at an unrelated provision that would begin to close a tax loophole enjoyed by some of the richest Americans. Yeah, you heard that right. Desperately needed unemployment benefits have been held hostage to a tax break for the rich, and the Senate, the Senate's Democratic leadership has had to delay and finagle to get its own caucus in line. To help cover the costs for the unemployment benefits, the Democratic lawmakers in the House started with a sound idea to close an egregious tax loophole that allows wealthy fund managers at private equity firms and other investment partnerships to pay a top tax rate of just 15% instead of what the rest of the world pays, and the rest of our country pays, rather, a top rate of 35%. You heard that right. These folks are paying 15%. The rest pay 35%. Closing this loophole would raise an estimated $25 billion over 10 years, and these private equity mavens, venture capitalists, and other partnerships are lobbying to keep the loophole open, thereby cutting off federal unemployment benefits. 
Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Mind, Body, Health, and Politics, which is contributed to by our staff, our producer, Ron Rogers, and our engineer, Mike DeLaura. Please join me again in exactly two weeks at this time. Until then, this is Dr. Richard Miller reminding you that good health is worth fighting for and is essential for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.